Welcome back to this week's episode of Rising Giants. We have Pablo back on the show from iCare Benefits and Brixie, a new digital real estate tokenization platform that he co-founded with Thomas Pokorny, another recent guest we had on the show. In this episode, we discuss updates on the recent $15 million impact facility raised by iCare from Singapore investor Helicap, fundraising with Brixie throughout their seed round, and Pablo's macro perspective of the startup landscape in Cambodia. We hope you enjoy. Max and I are very excited to have you back on the show since our last time that we had you on. A lot has changed, a lot of exciting updates and really, really big moves too on your side. I think a great place to start is if we can pick up where we left last off around iCare Benefits Group, where you have recently raised for a 15 million impact facility from Singapore-based fintech firm Helicap. I think uh, you could just tell us about what it was like to raise this 15 million impact facility and also just what is an impact facility for our audience too. Sure, obviously first let me start by, uh, by uh, thanking uh, you Dom and, and Max obviously for, for inviting me back on the show. I've become an avid listener of, of the channel so really good to see it, you know the channel progressing and, and growing its, its, uh, its, its listener base so congratulations as well for you guys on, on all this progress. I think there's a lot of exciting future for Rising Giants, so congratulations on that. Yeah, um, obviously for us at iCare, it has been a very excited probably 12 months since we last spoke. You know, we COVID obviously affected our capacity to operate in the Cambodian market. You know, there was a lot of disruption, as you know, in, in the government sector. There was only so much, you know, market penetration that we could drive on the back of, of the pandemic, right? But, you know, halfway through last year, we, 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 we could see that the end was near and then you know, we had to prepare operationally and financially for, for the exit. And that's why we, we, we look to raise a, a, a big round, a big facility where we not only have the, the operation ready to go, but also the financial capabilities and the breathing space to put that plan into, into action, right? To execute our plan correctly. So, you know, through as usual with these things, you know, we had a bunch of investors interested, but we, we straight away saw that Helicap was the right partner for us. We already share a few LPs. Some of their LPs are also iCare LPs, so there was already some synergies there. They are they are an investor that you know is not only concerned about about business growth, about penetration, but also about impact. You know, you know who are we, who is our customer? What are we serving? How are we serve the importance of that double bottom line, right? Of, of actually being profitable, but also having a social impact. And so. You know, from the beginning, they were very happy with with that 50 million size and give us an opportunity to to grow the company and put our plan into place. And so we closed in late May 2022, so earlier this year. And iCare is is you know is on track to return back to its pre-COVID numbers by by the end of the year and continue its exponential growth moving forward with, with this funding in. In, in house now, very exciting time for us. We have all these all these verticals ready to go. The market is still, you know, our customer base, our market is still there. Not only is it still there, but it's 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 our products and services are needed more than ever. So for us now, it's about executing with this funding and and putting place our our kind of five year roadmap. Right. So very exciting times for us. Yes, thank you for giving that background too. And just to give us an idea of what the five-year roadmap will look like and how you'll leverage the funding in the short and medium term would be great too. 
Sure. Obviously, as you know, iCare has multiple verticals. You know, we, we operate a retail and BNPL vertical. We also operate a leasing vertical. We're also going to be launching soon an e-commerce vertical to kind of put everything together, the BNPL, the retail, uh, and the leasing into one platform for, for our low-income government workers, right? So, you know, most of the funding currently is going to be used for the implementation of the e-commerce side, right? So the agglomeration of the other verticals into one single platform, plus obviously working capital for our leasing business, right? So we've seen massive growth in our leasing business because there's so much pent-up demand from these low-income workers to access these, these motorbikes, these cars, these tuk-tuks, right? So, you know, this uh, ICA leasing has gone from a new, you know, a new leasing company to million to a portfolio worth millions of dollars, you know, just because we have all this spent up demand that we had to service. So um, the funding is going to go towards, as I said, these two, these two main verticals to be able to execute our plan into place and be able to, to, to grow, you know, as fast as we can, which is one of our which, which is our main objective. Uh, No, understood. And it's, it really is incredible to see how much that growth has accelerated too, and to have that uh, strong inbound interest from outside investors too. I think that's a, it's a really, really huge part, especially in thinking about how this provides like a lot of visibility for other startups within the country to know that, you know, you can grow to this size and you can be able to raise from, from outside investors and, in, in, you know, surrounding countries too. Just, just curious, how was it that you were able to navigate those waters and deciding to align with Helicap and versus maybe other investors at the time? What were kind of some of the, the biggest pieces that are the most important parts that you were looking for in that relationship? Yeah, I mean, for, for us, you know, it, it, in iCare in general, right, it, it's not just about finding the right type of investor, the, 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 an investor, right? It's about finding the right type of investor, right? So we need someone that is aligned on multiple areas of, of you know, of, of thought, right? So not just on profitability, not just on, you know, on, not just on execution operations, but also social impact, social mindedness, you know, human and, you know, human worth, et cetera, et cetera. So there's multiple things that we need to look at. So, you know, we were in discussions with maybe three, four investors, advanced discussions with two or three, uh, and we finally decided to go with Helicap because the entire structure made more sense to us. You know, we were more aligned on these different things. They understood our business. They understood the roadmap. They understood where we want to go, and they were willing to support us through the entire journey, right? Not just short-term, but also long-term with future rounds and future races, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, to go back to your earlier point, uh, the first part of the question, uh, I completely agree. And, and personally, and if I, you know, maybe you guys can confirm, but to my understanding, it is the, you know, I care that was the single largest raise for a Cambodian startup, non-bank, right? For non-bank Cambodian startup. So to my understanding that, you know, that is the largest ever. Uh, I would hope to bring a little bit more light to the Cambodian ecosystem, which is a thriving one, but seems to be underrepresented in, in the regional scene. So we, we see Malaysians, Indonesians, Vietnamese startups have a lot, a lot of exposure, you know, in, in kind of other, other, in, in kind of regional press and, and regional and regional media. But but we see Cambodian startups being completely underrepresented. So we hope that you know through these big these big investments, we bring a little bit of light into this ecosystem and hopefully bring more investors come to Cambodia and see that there's a lot of opportunities here. There's a lot of models that are replicable in other parts of, of the region. And a lot of young entrepreneurs, you know, put a, putting a foot into this, into the startup journey and, and with a lot of exciting, a lot of exciting opportunities. 
Yeah, fully agreed on that. Have you seen any further activity from inbound like investment interest in Cambodia, just in, just in general, you know, as, as we've hit 2022 and, and, you know, COVID's in the, in the rear view mirror, what, what are you, what are you seeing in that regard? Yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing quite a bit of interest. Yeah. You know, we're seeing some of the big venture capital, you know, coming back to Cambodia. I'm sure you've seen raising a new fund. They've already closed one investment. So we've seen other other venture capital as well, starting to look at Cambodia as a destination, you know, so we, we have seen in particular in 2022, as the, as the end of COVID has, has, has gone near, investors coming back into Cambodia, looking for opportunities, looking, looking for ways to allocate capital in, in this part of the world, which to, to, to us, you know, not, not just like here, but globally for, for the startup ecosystem is, is extremely positive developments because it gives, it gives vet new ventures, new projects an opportunity to present, you know, their traction, their model to, to, to not just local banks, but other types of investors and, and, and other ways to get funding. So we have definitely seen post-COVID international investors starting to look at Cambodia as an exciting destination. And I think that's one, that's a wonderful development. Okay. And yeah, I just wanted to touch on, I think you mentioned earlier about, about garment workers. And we recently had Dr. Ben on the podcast who, you know, has been involved in that sector also. And it was interesting to talk about some of the automation that's happening in the sector and like, just wondering how that has impacted uh, your business and if also some of these new, new rules in regards to exporting to certain markets, like what, what are some of the key trends that are impacting the overall garment sector that, it, that then impacts ICAT? I mean, I think in general, the government sector in Cambodia is, is, is in really good hands. I think that it has a, it has a bright future ahead that is undeniable. I think that in a way, the COVID pandemic has definitely extended the life of the government industry in Cambodia because factories are producing where they can uh, and where they have historically done so. So we've, you know, as you've seen from the numbers in the press, factories are opening every week in Cambodia, which is wonderful news for the industry. Yes, there is automation, but government is still a very much a labor intensive proposition that requires hands on the product at every part of, of the value added of the, of the value chain. Right. So, you know, we've also seen, unfortunately, but, but it is happening orders coming from Myanmar and diverted into Cambodia. We've definitely seen a lot of that as well. So we think that the, 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 the garment sector in Cambodia is, is experiencing a, a renaissance post COVID and that, that has, that is proving to be very valuable to the workers because, you know, it employs, yeah. it is the largest industry in Cambodia and it's important for, 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 um, you know, for the economy that, that it stays that way. And you know, I commend the government for its efforts to continue to bring factories and to provide the, the tax and legal structures for those factories to be able to operate in a, in a, in a very positive manner in, in the Cambodia sector. Okay, and just just for the audience, what what are the up-to-date numbers on on garment factory workers and and factories in in the country as of as of now? I, I, off the top of my head, I, I cannot give because I don't want to. I don't want to give you the the wrong. Oh no worries. no worries. I mean, I know I I know the net positive for openings of factories this year is is astronomical. So okay. I, I know that I know that GMAC published the official numbers. I, I don't want to give you the wrong ones and and give your audience the, the incorrect. The okay. numbers, but, no worries, but, uh, but, but overall this year in 2022, you know, the, the, the net opening of factories has been, has been, has been extremely high in the previous years. Okay. And, and just, just shifting gears a little bit towards your new venture. So obviously raising that big debt facility for iCare 
was, you know, one thing, you know, already an established business, you know, strong track record, market leading position. You know, you now have launched a new business, Brixie, that recently raised, you know, $500,000, pre of which a lot of the investors were Cambodia based. And, you know, some also, you know, from all around the world, and the, but the company is registered in Singapore. Can you talk to us a little bit about that business and what it was like actually raising such a considerable pre-seed round, you know, in, in, in this time period? And, and, you know, what were some of the main ways to get that done? Yeah, obviously very exciting. This new venture is something that, that you know, I've been working on with one of your previous guests who you know very well, Thomas Horny, who's the founder of CEO of PyPay. Obviously a very successful entrepreneur himself, multiple exits, so a lot of experience in the startup world. Both of us have been working together for quite some time. We had been ideating this idea on the back of our minds for, for quite some time. And we decided that now was the, you know, was the right moment to, to execute and, and to launch this business. So already this year, we, we, as you said, we, we, we raised a very large pre-seed round for this new venture called, and you know, we, we, as usual for this initial round, you're normally mostly focused on friends and family. So high net worth individuals around, including yourself and your friends who like the idea, like the venture, like the concept, and are happy to, to, to invest in these initial rounds for us to develop the technology and, and go to market. Obviously, Brixie is a very exciting venture. It's at the crossroad between blockchain technology and, and real estate. Uh, we think it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that is still there and that we're trying to find a solution to. We think we have the right building blocks and we have the right execution team. We have the right investors and the right advisors. So for us, it's just a question of, of executing and, and, and speeding the time to market. So in terms of the actual raise for us, you know, we, we, we raise from, from people that we know, high net worth individuals in the Cambodian, as you said, not only Cambodian, but people based out of Cambodia and other parts of the world, but again, our, our, our own internal so that we could raise quickly, raise efficiently and, and be able to start developing the technology with those funds. So we raised in about six weeks, we closed at the end of Q1 and we've been developing the technology ever since. So, so that, that, that process was very fast because we knew what we had to do. We knew, you know, we knew the problem. We understood the solution that we wanted to implement. And it was just a question, obviously, of, of finding the right people to, to, to join us. So we managed to secure the trust of a world-class advisory board and some, some key, very well-known executives in, in Cambodia, like my fellow co-founder at Iker, Molka. She also joined as an investor. You had Mr. Kiri that, you know, I'm sure you know from IG Group. You had Adrian from IQPS. So a lot of, a lot of uh, well-known executives in Cambodia and, 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 and elsewhere. So a very exciting journey, a very, a very busy one at that for sure. But, you know, all the best is yet to come. And I think Brixie will be raising up further in Q, late Q3, early Q4 to speed the time to market. So very exciting times and, and, and very, uh, very much looking forward to the next steps. And there's a lot to unpack in there too. I mean, it just one of the pieces of it is it, that you that you were describing is execution. And when looking at the team that that you guys have constructed, not only just as the team but also set of advisors, I think that one word to describe all of you is execution. So successfully too. And I think the first piece I would I would like to just really quickly go over is just for the audience that may not be familiar with Brixie, could you give an example of what the what the product is and maybe from their perspective, how would someone want to use the product or would use it in general? Sure, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, the problem that Brixie is trying to solve is very, very simple, right? 
you know, nowadays it's, it's extremely difficult for any one person to invest in real estate anywhere, not only in, its own, in their own country, but also in any other country. It's already difficult in your own country. It's practically impossible in any other country unless you are a high net worth individual with connections with lawyers, with bank contacts, right? So the real investment in general is very costly, very time consuming and requires a lot of time, right? So what we're trying to do is we're trying to utilize blockchain technology and the transparency aspect that that provides to a real estate investment platform so that people from all over the world, from as little as $1, will be able to choose from a portfolio of assets and invest into those assets and get returns for their investments for wherever the asset are. So for example, a user out of Singapore will be able to, to invest in a property in Spain, Colombia, London, Singapore, Australia, Cambodia, Vietnam, Malaysia, Philippines, Indonesia, wherever the assets are. So that is, that is the basic premise of what RICS is trying to solve because we want to basically democratize real estate investments so that Everybody, as I said, from as little as $1 can invest. And blockchain technology is the, the segue to that solution. Yeah, and it adds that, as you said earlier at the beginning, it adds that layer of transparency, which is, is, is a big piece, especially in today's world, that a lot of people are, are looking for in terms of any sort of investments that they are making too. And, and just to build on top of that as well. Once someone makes an investment into this piece of real estate, do they receive any sort of additional benefits or what is, what is the value other than maybe like the, the accrual and increase in value of the property that individual would receive from investing in one of these properties? Yeah. Thank you. Doc. Obviously the, the, each property would have its own, what we call commercialization avenue. So if it's a rental property that is rented out, the investors in, in, that, in, that, in that asset will get, a, will get a, return, a part of the rental income as their yield, right? So if you, if you decide to buy or invest in a property that is rented out, an apartment building or an apartment block, you will be entitled to a portion of the proceeds, of the rental proceeds, right? On top of that, obviously you will, be, you will, be, uh, you will get the value of the increase in the value of the, 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 of the, of the underlying asset, right? But on a monthly basis, you will still get a return on your investment on, on a cash-on-cash -cash basis by, 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 getting a, by getting some rental yield, right? So again, the same way that you would investing in, in, in your local, you know, buying a local asset, buying a local flat, but through Brixie, you will be able to do it on a fractionalized basis from as little as $1 and get whatever proportional return that entitles you to, right? And you can not only do it in your own country, you can do it wherever we have assets. That's fantastic too. A lot of people have excitement in other growing real estate markets and being able to provide that opportunity to many individuals who now would have access to be able to you know, get their piece of the pie essentially is, is very exciting. Maybe shifting back to the business, could you talk to us about what it was like building your advisor team and building you know, that, that kind of sounding board on you know, these ideas and how you plan to execute over the short and medium term? Yeah, obviously for us since the beginning, you know, the, obviously the investors were key, finding the right investors, but for us, for both Thomas and I, the, the setup of the advisory board was key. So, you know, in my experience, just surrounding yourself with a strong advisory board adds invaluable expertise to the execution team. So we wanted to get an advisory board that covered a variety of areas, 
you know, one would be the tech side, another one would be the legal side, operations, execution, VC, et cetera, et cetera. So through, through our connections, through our network, you know, we, we were able to assemble these, 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 this team of experts in different fields that would be able to support the execution team in their area of expertise. So, you know, for example, Julio Farah is the owner, the founder and the CEO of IO Builders, who is the world leader in blockchain tech development. So they're going to be overseeing the development of, the, of our technology, right? So, you know, that is, that is priceless, right? Having them on board supervising our technology is priceless because they are the world leader in, in blockchain development. So, you know, for us from the very beginning, even before we got investors, it was very important for us to get that advisory board ready so that we, were, we knew that execution was going to be done and was going to be done correctly with their support and expertise. And not only that, but between you and, and Thomas, you guys also assembled a great team of fantastic beards. Both of you guys have. <laughs> That's true. That is quite true. That is quite true. Yeah. Have some very, very impressive beards, especially for Max and I, who uh, that is probably quite... cannot grow some hair true. on either person. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite true. That is quite true. Yeah. A coincidence, but a nice one. I'll give you that. Very nice one. <laughs> And actually, just touching on Thomas, what, what are, what are some of the complementary like skill sets that, that you both have as the, the two main people driving this business? Obviously Thomas is a, you know, Thomas is an ideator. Thomas is, you know, I consider him a genius because he's has a, a, a capacity to foresee, you know, problems and iterations of solutions to the product before anybody else can see them in the same way that, you know, the way. How early he was with PyPay back in the day into the Cambodian market is a testament to, to his capacity to foresee where the market is going to go, right? You know, he, at the time, all of us thought that PyPay was a little bit too early and turned out, no, that it was exactly the right time, um, you know, for him to build it and, and, and then exit, right, to Group, as you all know. So I think he's an idea, you know, he is a, he is a, a thinker that has the capacity to foresee where the market is going to be. Not today, but, but, you know, in five years down the line. Uh, and then I provide, in my experience, the operating side. So, you know, the same way that I've done with iCare, the execution, the operation, you know, preparing those building blocks so that, you know, we are able to build, be able to execute the ideas that we have, right? So first of all, you have to have an idea, but then you need to execute and build, prepare those, those, those steps so that you can actually go towards a full set, a full operation and, and an actual product, right? So I think both of us complement ourselves very well and are able to move this, this venture forward. Great. And what were some of the challenges in, in the beginning, you know, spawning this idea and, you know, putting it, you know, raising the round and, and now looking at, you know, what, what you're going to focus on for, for the next year ahead, what have been some of the, some of the things that maybe you thought in the idea stage that didn't, that you haven't gone ahead with would be, would be interesting to see how, how the business has, has evolved through these, uh, these challenges. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for us, it, it, it's not that it has evolved. I think it has just gotten more structured, right? Because at the end of the day, in particular in the blockchain world, you know, the, the idea has to be tailored to the execution capabilities of the market, right? So, what's the legal setup? What's the operational setup? Are you are you scaled for are you scaled for revenue? Are you are you are you set up for revenue? Are you set up for scalability, right? Are you, are you a volumes game or, or, or are you or are you just a local game, right? So for us, it was about, you know, making sure that before we go to market, we have the setup operationally, legally, so that we could scale on a 
to go on a global scale within a very short period of time. So the, the aspect of the business that has evolved the most, I would say, is the operational setup. So we've tried to set up from the beginning for full scalability because we did not want to be just a Singaporean or European entity. We wanted to be a global venture with assets around the world within 18 months. And that's still our objective. So it's more the operational and legal setup that has evolved around this idea of, of global scalability. Okay. And just quickly on the, on the selection of the assets, do you, is that kind of led by the people that, that you bring in to put assets on, onto the platform? Or is it, do you kind of direct that? Are there specific like regions and parts of the world that you'd like to prioritize, you know, getting assets on there? We're not prioritizing any specific region. Obviously the fact that we are based out of Asia has put a lot of emphasis on that, on that, on that region. So a lot of our pipeline is based out of Asia, but we already have pipeline for Europe, for Africa and for Latin America. So we already have assets in the pipeline, you know, in multiple continents. We don't prioritize, you know, for us it's finding a subset of assets that we want to go to MVP with. And then once we have that done, then go to full launch with that asset, asset throughout the globe. Okay. Okay. Great. And, and just, yeah, just last question on Brixie. Like if, if, you know, if listeners want to engage and, you know, kind of try and get involved with Brixie, what, where's the best place to, to reach you and get in contact? Sure. Obviously give us a follow on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn team can, can pick up any messages, sign up for the MVP. We're getting, we're getting a lot of sign up requests. So you, you get notified when the platform is live. So you want to, you can be part of the, of the MVP. So you can go to the website, basically.com and sign up, put your email down so that, so that you get notified when the platform is live. If you're interested on more strategic partnership, asset pipeline or investment, then you can, you can reach out to, to myself or Thomas directly. Find us on LinkedIn, send us a message, and then we're normally quite responsive. But as I said, because we're going to be officially raising another round uh, starting in September. So, so yeah, either the website, social media, LinkedIn is always a good way to reach out to us. And we'll also add those pieces into the, into the show notes too, just for anybody that is, is interested, you. of course, and also job Thank opportunities you. too in, in the future for eye care. We'll be, we'll, we'll, sure. we'll share that as well. Thank and you. just. And just to transition into the last piece of, of our, our catch up call and, and getting to hear about everything that, that you've done, could you tell us a little bit about you, just on a more macro scale, some of the sectors of interest that you're seeing now in Cambodia coming, you know, as 2022 is fully developed and maybe just giving a, a brief idea of where you think some opportunities are, or what you're excited about personally. I'm very excited in general with the startup ecosystem. I'm still very much involved in, in, in the space. I'm very, you know, I, I'm very happy with the efforts that the Cambodian government has in the development of the startup ecosystem. So I'm very excited with, in Cambodia, a lot of agri-tech and logistics startups that are up and coming that really have a tangible solution to a lot of problems in the market. I've seen those, 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 those products, I've seen those, I've seen those ideas, and I'm looking forward to seeing them implemented into the market successfully. So I'm very excited about these two areas, logistics and agri-tech. I think there's, it's prime for disruption. And I think uh, there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of big, big ventures that, that are going to be very successful in the coming, coming couple of years for sure. Great. And, you know, just to close it out and, and something, a lot of our listeners, you know, those that are entrepreneurs within Cambodia too, that would be, that I'd really appreciate is if, you know, we asked you at the end of our first interview, what's been the greatest piece of advice that you've ever received 
from from mentors, someone that you look up to. But you know, this time around, it'd be great to hear. You know, what is the best piece of advice that you can give to other rising entrepreneurs that are within the ecosystem, or you know, those that are looking just to make an impact in general? Yeah, I mean, the the, the biggest piece of advice that that I give to to them is is to not is is to not be disappointed with with a no. So that, get, get, in particular, when you're starting a new venture, you know, a negative answer from an investor or partner is normal. It's about getting as many no's as you can until you get a yes. And I think this is the key, and this is something that I try to pass on to, to, to my mentees in, in the startup world so that they don't get discouraged. So don't get discouraged by a no. Keep, keep the course, keep grinding until you get that initial yes, and then make the most out of that yes. So that would be my, my one piece of advice. Keep hustling, keep grinding. It's a law of, of large numbers. You're going to get a lot of no's. Don't let them bother you. Just try to get to that first yes. That's a fantastic piece of advice. And thank you again, Pablo, for your time. And we've really enjoyed the conversation, catching up on iCare, Brixie, and just how you're doing personally. So really great to have you on and look forward to having many more conversations into the future. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Pleasure to be with you as, as always. Again, all the best for the future and all the best for Rising Giants and, and the coming year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.